okay, I'm good. Let's go! What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Martin and Damo back on the show, and it is Monday the 16th. We're going to be talking playoffs, do a little bit of a lottery preview. There was a James Harden, Bradley Beal trade hypothetical that was thrown out there out of nowhere, so we'll talk about that. And then at the end, we'll see if we can put together a trade offer for Bradley Beal to go just somewhere else. But we'll start at the top of the playoffs. The Miami Heat finished off the 76ers, and it was six games they finished, right? Six? Uh, Yes. Pretty solid series, man. You know, the the one thing that's really stuck out to me, and, and we've talked about the Miami Heat's depth at nauseum at this point, just because, like, we have none. So anytime we see a team succeed in the playoffs that has any sort of depth where they get value from guys who are undrafted, second rounder, or even, you know, their, their first round picks that have panned out. I don't know if they have any active first round picks in their rotation that they made themselves other than Tyler Hero. Um, but the, the, the one thing that stuck out, uh, to me with Miami is just their depth, man. You know, the, the Max Drews, Gabe Vincent, Yurtseven when he plays, um, of course, Duncan Robinson hasn't been playing, but he's still a guy who can go in there and light it up when needed. Um, you know, Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and then overall, I just felt like Philly just, they, they just didn't have enough depth to keep up, even though they do have guys like. Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, um, Georges Niang, like th- those guys just aren't they they don't compare to what Miami can bring off the bench if we're talking about benches, but also you need to have guys that elevate their play sometimes. And I think we saw that specifically with Max Strews. And it just goes to show like you need to to be able to find talent throughout the entire draft process and that's just not during the draft that's post-draft as well when you have udfas you can make exhibit 10 deals two-way contracts you need to be able to have an eye for talent for for guys not only during the draft but after as well and i feel like miami is really capitalized with a few of their players there and it's really paying off for him you know you get oladipo back from injury and he's really helped him a lot you already had jimmy butler Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo playing at a high level. You have a nice role player with Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, you know, all those other guys you combine them, and it's no surprise that Miami is in the Eastern Conference Finals, although I I typically am not that high on Miami in general, just because I don't think all that of Jimmy Butler, but I doubt them, like, I don't want to say doubt them, but I'm skeptical every offseason, and then they end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I, I'm I'm not going to doubt Miami going forward as much, especially now that they're able to get all these quality players. Like you know, they're going to be competitive every year because they can find quality players without having to, to trade all these assets for or using first-round picks. 
And and they have elite coaching too. I mean, they, let's not forget right. even after even after LeBron left, Spoelstra had you know Goran Dragic, you know, led Miami Heat roster winning 45 games. Like they just they're just going to win 40 45 no matter who's on their roster. Um but but like you said and this has kind of been kind of my point with this roster building and and general managing like you have to be able to find talent that overperforms their contract. Like you know, it 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 helps the blow of the big contracts at the top of their roster. Like they're paying you know, they don't mind paying a 35-year-old Jimmy Butler 40-something million a year in a couple of years because, you know, they they got Gabe Vincent, Max Strauss, uh, Yusufin. I mean, these guys are making less than $2 million each. Uh, they got Victor Oladipo on a flyer, and he was closing out games for them at point guard. Uh, you know, Duncan Robinson, they're paying him. 16 million a year. He hasn't even played really these playoffs. Don't matter. Kyle Lowry, they're paying a 36-year-old Kyle Lowry $28 million a year. It doesn't matter that he didn't play, wasn't healthy or available, which anybody could have seen coming at his age because you got Gabe Vincent performing. Um, Like I said, it's just, you know, it's just... uh, I, I I envy it, I respect it, and it just makes me look at the Wizards, and I'm just like, why can't y'all do this? You know, why is it so hard for you to identify talent that isn't obvious? Um, but it is what it is. The 76ers, I look at, because I thought they were going to beat Miami. That's who I had winning the series, I, I think if I remember correctly, because I think I had Milwaukee and Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, now, fast forward, and either of them were there, and we'll get on the, the Boston and um, <clears throat> Milwaukee series here in a sec. But here's how I look at Philly right now. And B, you can't guarantee is going to play a healthy amount of games every season. And even in the playoffs now, he's missed several playoff games. Like, this is nothing new. And so you look at that and you say, okay, well, then you need to make sure that you, the rest of your, the, your top players on your roster are solid. Well, James Harden is visibly declining, and Tobias Harris is not worth the 30-something million dollars that he's being paid. So when you look at that and you come away saying Tyrese Maxey is your second-best player, I, and your depth isn't that great, I would add, I don't see how we could have expected Philadelphia to beat Miami. And it, it sucks for Philly now because it, it maybe they're stuck with some of these guys. And if Embiid isn't going to be able to give you a, a healthy regular season, a healthy postseason, which of course is way more important, I don't know what their long game is at this point. Well, like what's, what's their goal at this point? Like I know they're going to say they're trying to win. But, you know, they say they're going to keep Doc Rivers and all that. And I don't know how you feel about Doc Rivers. I'm sure you'll tell me here in a sec. Um, but I just I, – I don't see, like, how they can be taken seriously as a as a contender in the Eastern Conference with all those things to consider. Yeah, I mean, there were some mistakes made along the way. Uh, I mean, they had one of the worst benches in the NBA before the Harden trade. And this is kind of why I said when they made the trade that, 
you know, I thought they were the losers of the trade because they traded for a depreciated asset and they gave up so much of their depth that already was thin. And now you're putting all this weight on a Joel Embiid who's, I think he's what, he's 20, how old is Joel? 28? 27? I can look real quick while you're talking. Yeah, however old he is, add 10 years to his knees, right? So like, his window is 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 very small to contend and be available for you to play at this MVP level, carry that load, and get you through a grueling playoff run. So, like, you traded all that depth. You traded the very little depth you had for a, a depreciated James Harden, and now you're you're pretty much stuck with it. You're stuck with that. You're stuck with. I wouldn't say you're stuck with Tobias Harris. You can get off of that. But it's probably going to require require attaching another asset to that. And you didn't already attach assets to Ben Simmons to get harder. Right. So, right. So you have it no picks. <laughs> you have no picks. You have no depth. You have no cap space. What do you do? I, I, I really don't know. They, they, you know, I guess you trust the process, I guess. Before um, Neil Olshie's demise in Portland, I feel like this is kind of the situation where Philly's going to be in now, where they're going to keep having to give up draft capital. They're not going to have any, and they're going to have to get rid of the bad contract. They're going to have to overpay for role players to bring some, what I guess you would call high-level role players in, and it's just going to end up a disaster where Maury gets fired and Bede requests a trade, and they're going to have to rebuild, and that's kind of how I see it playing out at this point. And that would be that would be a tough pill. I mean, because I mean, Embiid is signed through twenty twenty six with a player option twenty twenty seven. So he's under contract for a long time. Um, the odds of him being healthy, the duration of that contract are like for me like five percent. Um, because <laughs> he's twenty eight now. He's well, what do you classify as healthy? Like, what percentage of the season would you consider? Like, healthy? I mean, healthy enough to give you 60, 65 regular season games and then go on a, a 20-plus game playoff run. So, so get, to, to get 80 games out of MB, 80-plus games out of MB, including the playoffs, I don't think he has a lot of years left to do that. I'd put it's, that at less than 5%. It might even be. It might be 1%. Because I just don't think his body, when he hits 30 at, at his weight, like in, in, in injury issues, lower body injuries, I just don't see him holding up. Like this was the, this was it. This was the time. Like the, the year he lost to Kawhi, that was, that was a chance. The year following. And then this year going to get hard. Like this, this was that three to four year window that like every elite player gets to really go and get some ch- championships where you're kind of at your peak athletically, health-wise, and you got the right mix of guys in coaching. And that window, I think, is gone now. Um, and so now they're just kind of they're kind of just stuck, man. And I, I really don't know where they go from here without maybe moving off of, you know, Tobias, maybe seeing what you can get for Harden in a, in a flip, and then just giving the keys to Maxi and hoping he goes to another level. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that's one thing that that you can try and help preserve and beat a little bit is you need a wing or a guard who can take a lot of the pressure off of Embiid and maybe not so much try and run an offense around Embiid in the in the low post as much. Obviously, he's still a mismatch and he's still great there and you should use him there, but maybe try and do more stuff on the perimeter and in the high post where he's not necessarily having to bang with bodies all the time. Maybe try and get him to, to I don't know, adjust how he takes guys off the bounce so he's not making his as many um, herky-jerky, like, sudden movements where it's fucking up his knees. Um, but that, that's, the, that's the double-edged sword. It's like, it's kind of like the same thing with Anthony Davis. They're both best right. playing close to the rim. But if the more you play them close to the rim, the more pounding their body takes. So then you kind of have to run a game plan that moves them away from the rim. You become less effective that way, but at least they might can play some more games for you. So it's just it's like you got to it's like a tug of war with those type of guys with those those lower body injuries like that. Um Celtics Bucks. Bucks I think were both of our finals pick, right, in the East. Yeah, I had the Bucks. Yep, I did too. Um you know, I the, the fact that it went to seven and they didn't have Middleton, I think was a – I'm not – again, and I, and I tweeted this. I'm not saying that Boston didn't deserve to win the series. Under the circumstances that they played, they don't choose who they get to play, when, why, or how. They showed up and they won the series. I'm not taking anything away from Boston. They deserve to win. That There doesn't need to be an asterisk on it or anything. However, it is worth noting that the Bucks were still without Chris Middleton, and I think that – since we saw see it go to seven games without Middleton at all in the series, perhaps if Middleton had played, maybe it goes in the other way in seven. Maybe the Bucks finish it in six. But I'll tell you what the Bucks are missing this series is someone who could get baskets at a at an efficient rate because it was just like Giannis and then everyone else was like Giannis was caring because no one else and Drew Holiday is not that great of an offensive player. Like he'll give you something sometimes, but Drew Holiday is really more best as that third fiddle where he's not asked to create in the mid range, not asked to make three pointers. It can just, you know, play Drew Holiday's game because I think he's a high level player when he's able to play his game. But when he's elevated to be a second option over the course of a seven game series, I'm not sure that that's going to necessarily be the best thing. And then outside of that, the Bucks simply have no one else to go to. I mean, are they going to ask Bobby Portis to carry him? Uh, the, the the Bucks to me, are missing like a, a Jordan Poole type guy you can bring off the bench that can get you a lot of buckets. Like that that would be the area if I'm the Bucks this offseason. That's one of the things that I'm trying to fix is have someone young who can come off the bench and who can take some of the scoring load if – someone gets injured again. If Holiday goes down, you can put that player in there. If Middleton stays injured, you can put that guy in there. And to me, they just didn't have that guy. And so when you're going up against Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, some of their other role players, you're not going to have enough offense to keep up with that. So you can defense, defense, defense all you want. As we saw as the series went on, defense defense does matter, but at the same time, it, it can only get you so far. You need to be able to put the ball in the hoop. And I just feel like that they didn't have enough guys to do that. Totally agree. Um, that that's that's actually a team manager mission that them adding another ball handler I could see for like a Ty Jones 
where you come in and you're kind of like the sixth man um, and, you know, break ca- break glass in case of injury guy that can, can kind of step into that role as a creator, shot maker. Um, when guys inevitably get hurt, I mean, it's a part of the league. Like the Warriors' first title, it came because Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. You know, that that's that's the league, man. It's always somebody getting injured and you get a little lucky sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think the, the Bucks got to, they kind of, kind of, they need to build their team in a way that kind of can can still stay afloat um, when that happens because, you know, DiVincenzo getting hurt and then them ultimately moving off of him. They repl- they got some of the replacement with, with uh, Grayson Allen, but he's not a guy that can play make or, or really do much off the bounce. Like, they really didn't have it. Like, it was Drew Holiday, Giannis, or nothing. Um, and Drew Holiday is not that guy in that in that in that regard. Um, you know, so you had guys kind of elevated into roles that they weren't fit for. But props to Giannis because that dude is is all time. The fact that it even went seven without your second best player is a testament to his greatness. Because um, I felt like if they had Middleton, it would have been Bucks and six. But I do too. Yeah. You know, but it just didn't go that way. Um, because he, you know, he was hurt. So, uh, yeah, I think I think if they, you know, off season for them, they're gonna get another ball handler, and then they should be they should be good to withstand any type of you know uh, injuries like that. <clears throat> but but again, going back to Boston, I don't want to take anything away from Boston. You know, props to Brad Stevens, hell of a first year. Probably in hindsight, perhaps underratedly, maybe could have gotten Executive of the Year, uh, Ime Udoka. Hell of a first year. You know, they really struggled early on. They were in the same boat as the Wizards at one point, And one team went one way and one went the other. And now they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals in your rookie season. And this was a guy that Brad Stevens wanted right away. As soon as Brad Stevens got promoted and they started doing the coaching searches, he was the first one that was hired, and they didn't bother interviewing anyone else. It was Udoka from the start, and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals after the moves that they made. It's a, it's a hell of a first year from Brad Stevens as an executive. Hell of a first year for um, Udoka as a head coach. And I'm really happy for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think now we see that Jason Tatum is going to be more in those top five player conversations. We'll see how this Eastern Conference Finals goes. Um, but, yeah, like you said, props to Giannis, too. Um, I mean, I, I think what would you consider him the best player in the NBA at this point? I, I think that's kind of who I'd have. But Luca is slowly creeping up there, and, and Tatum is kind of in that conversation as well. Yeah, the, the, Luca's definitely up there. Only reason I give the edge to Giannis is because he's the only player I feel like could win a scoring title and defensive player of the year in the same season. I don't think there's another player that can do that other than Giannis right now. Um, and if we're talking both sides of the ball, which matter if you're going to be talking about best player in the game. I think you have to take that into consideration. So, yeah, it, it's Giannis for me. It's been Giannis for me for a little bit, um, even though I think I think LeBron still come playoff time. I'm not betting against him. But if we talk in totality of season, being able to be available in the prime of their athletic career, playing both sides of the balls, it's, it's definitely Giannis. And I – it may not even really be close, honestly. At this rate, LeBron may not even make another playoff as long as he's on the Lakers. 
Not with Russell Westbrook as a teammate. <laughs> um, Warriors, who did they just beat? Grizzlies. Obviously, John Morant going down hurts them. They played. Did it? Free- huh? Did it? They beat them dudes by. They was up by 60 on them guys without Ja. They look better without Ja playing the Warriors. But I guess that's a combo for another day because I don't know, man. That, that, that was, that's kind of weird that they were that good when Ja didn't play. It's, um, it is weird because it's like you look, at, you look at the rest of their roster and it's like guys that should just be spotting up and then Jaron Jackson. So it's how, how do you guys win a game like that? But Dylan Brooks, I guess, has a lot more in his bag that we didn't know about. But anyway, e- even if John was healthy, I didn't see the Grizzlies winning this series. Uh, as you know, and I've said several times, the Warriors have kind of been my pick since the offseason. I'm not getting off that. I still think they're going to win the title. I reckon they'll pack the Mavericks up here in five games. That would be my guess. But, um, you know, Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Game 6, Clay. Steph hadn't even been playing that well. Um, they, they got depth, Otto. And this is without Iguodala. Like, Iguodala hasn't even been playing. So uh, the Warriors have a lot of depth. Grizzlies have some depth, too. But, again, it's hard when you when you don't have your best player. Um, and then you just, quite frankly, just don't have the firepower to keep up because they got dragged. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, the, the Warriors are the team that I've had for a while now, and um, I, I think that we saw throughout the, the course of that series as well that I, I that they're still the team to beat, I would say. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the... Hmm. I would say they're the team to beat from a, you know, experience, reputation standpoint, but if I'm looking as far as, like, roster balance... Like top to bottom, like teams that have the least amount of weaknesses as far as their position groups, guards, wings, bigs. I feel like they got a really big blind spot in their front court. Like they don't have the size. And I think at some point that's going to become an issue for them. Maybe not against. Against the Dallas, Mavs. it's not going to matter. Not against yeah. Dallas, it's not going to matter. Like, it's going to be five wide versus five wide, everybody playing small and shooting threes. But if you got to see Boston, you got to deal with Al Horford and Robert Williams. Um, you got to deal with them. And, and the Heat, you got to deal with Bam Adebayo. So I feel like that is where I kind of – I would not be surprised if the champion came out of the East. I, I really would not be surprised, man. We, we um, got to get respect up for Kayvon Looney. We got to stop disrespecting the man. He kind of light in the ass too, though. Like he, I, 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 yeah, I, I think they, they were banking on Wiseman being ready, and he's so far from being ready right now. Um, I'm, if I'm them, I'd be so pissed. I'm like, your ass is getting traded this offseason, pal. We're bringing in someone else. Like, I'd be so irritated. Mean, they'd be selling low because I mean, what what is Wiseman value right now? He probably got less trade value than Rui at this point. Like, <laughs> what, what is his value? 
You you haven't seen him on the floor. I mean, all we got is the the ghost of his scouting report coming out of uh, <laughs> Memphis. Like we don't, what what is he like? What has he done in the league? Like I, other than be injured. So I just don't I don't know, man. Uh, I I think because if they had him and he was playing like how he supposed it was thought to be playing, like oh, it wouldn't it, be close. There'd be no point in having no the playoffs. Contest. Yeah, it would be no contest. But I just think, you know, teams are going to exploit that. If you don't think Udoka and Spo are going to try to exploit uh, their front court size or, or lack of front court size, man, I, I just think it's going gonna, it's gonna to become an issue. It hasn't yet because Steven Adams is just not a factor. Uh, you know, Brandon Clark is not really an offensive threat. Um you know, yeah. Jaron Jackson at the five is 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 small, right? Like they're gonna face a real center in the in the finals, and we'll see what's up with that. Big ups to the Mavericks, though. Um, you know, able to 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 beat a team that was in the NBA Finals this past year. Obviously, what happened in Game Seven was nothing short of embarrassing for Phoenix, but. Again, what we talked about it before we got on here. Extreme outlier. I mean, if they played again today, that wasn't happening again. So, um, you know, just an extreme rare situation. And fans don't want to hear it, you know. And, and believe me, I, it's inexcusable. But what I'm saying is, like, somewhere along the law of averages, you're 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 going to get the one extreme someday, and then you're going to get the other extreme the next sometimes and that's just how it happens and people don't want to hear that and that's fine like they sold whatever i I don't disagree but you know it it, it, obviously it can't happen because it did and i don't think it's because of a lack of phoenix not wanting to win the basketball game i'm sure they had every intention of going out there and playing well but um you know sometimes when you when you put your foot on the gas pedal and you don't let up it's hard in the nba when you have a lot of talented guys like that who can shoot the ball, you know, they were playing really good team defense that day. It's hard to come back from from things like that. And I know no lead in the NBA is safe, but when that other team is not missing and has Luka Doncic, getting a comeback in that scenario is easier said than done. But props to the Mavericks. I didn't think they were going to beat Utah in the first round. I didn't think it would even be relatively that competitive. Here they are going to the Western Conference Finals with essentially like if there was ever the definition of a one man band or one man show, whatever you want to call it. This is it, because quite frankly, I still don't entirely know how they've gotten here. Yeah, I mean, it's a <laughs> it's it's a little bit of 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 Jalen Brunson looking like Allen Iverson for stretches of games. It's a it's a sprinkle of of Dinwiddie actually looking like his Nets version of himself for, a, you know, a game here or there every six outings. Um, and just when they needed it to kind of just stay in it. And then Luca just like channeling, you know, LeBron James circa 2007 um, and just willing these guys like because um, they really don't do anything special on the offensive end. Like it's really just. It's a bunch of isolation, one on one on one basketball, pick and roll, and then kick to shooters. Um, and they really pretty much just take turns between Luca, Jalen Brunson, and then Dimwitty when he come off the bench. Um, and they kind of live and die by. It. And some nights, 
you know, if they hitting shots, it's like unstoppable. And when they missing, they get blown out. Um, but I just, man, just Luka Doncic, and I just, I've run out of adjectives for dude. Like that dude is just, he just built different, man. Like, because again, like you say, that roster to me is. You know, without if you take Luca off of that team, that's not a playoff team, like at all. No. Um, and and the fact that you know they're in the Western Conference Finals is just uh, that's just wild to me. Like the only comparable I have is what LeBron did in '07 and what Allen Iverson did in '01. Um, but I feel like when they did it, it was the conference they were playing in wasn't as strong as the one Luca is playing in right now. So, uh, yeah, props, props to Luca, man. That, that's a bad, that's a bad, bad dude right there. Also shout out game seven, Spence, um, J- Jason Kidd as well. In all seriousness, uh, it's, it's looking like yeah. a really good first year hire and who knows how much influence Mark Cuban had in that. I'm sure it was a lot, but, um, Shout out to Jason Kidd as well. But like we were saying uh, before we got on here, I mean, put, put Brad, take Luke off and put Bradley Beal on that team. Is that team a playoff team? Probably not. I think the only way the Mavericks get in the playoffs, if you take Luka off and you add in any other superstar, I think it's Giannis. Any other star player in the league, I think you put on that team, and I don't think they're a playoff team. I think – and we're, we're already talking about Giannis Jokic. being like – I would say Jokic too. I, I think if you put Joker – their playoff team because sure. the way they the way he's able to distribute create open shots it will have to be a guy that can create shot opportunities for their three-point shooters um sure. yeah so like i feel like yeah Jokic, luca Giannis, but that's probably it and, and right there those are like three of the best players in the game and like we're already talking Giannis is probably should be the unanimous best player in the nba at this point so the fact that we're saying, you know, that Luke is only replaceable by him and then someone else who just won MVP again, right? Um, so, you know, it's uh, Luca's getting in that conversation where we're going to be talking, is he the best player? Um, maybe pretty soon. We'll see what he does the rest of the way in the playoffs. Because, I mean, hypothetical, if he goes and wins a championship this year, it's going to have to be more of a discussion, I think, than people think between he, Giannis, Jokic, whoever else you want to consider. Oh, that, that, if he won a title this year, that would be the most impressive championship probably I've ever seen. Like given given the roster, like that that would be like again LeBron 07 beating the Spurs, or 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 you know Iverson knocking off Kobe and Shaq in 01. Like it's that that would be unprecedented um, because the teams that he's going up against are just well way more talented, way more balanced. Um, and if somehow they're able to play defense at a level to contain those rosters, and then Luca is dropping 40, 50, triple doubles, and getting guys looks, and, and they come out with a championship out of this. With this roster, man, that that they had to build him a statue, man. Really quick, who do you have going to the finals and who's winning? Warriors, and I hate to say this, Celtics, man. God damn. Can't stand Celtics, man. But yeah, Warriors, Celtics, and man, <laughs> who would have home court in that? It would be Warriors, right? What seed was Miami? Miami was the one seed. 
Well, the Warriors are third, so Miami would have home court. No, I mean against the Celtics. Who would who against the Celtics? Who would? Because oh, the, would well, be... the Celtics were the the Celtics are the two seed, so Boston would have it. Shoot, I'm gonna go Celtics in seven. Then can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> Celtics <laughs> in seven for the championship, man. I'll go Damn. Miami, Golden State, and then Golden State winning the title. Yeah, I can see that too, for sure. Um, I, I think I think Golden State matches up better against Miami than they would uh, Boston. Yeah. So if, really I, if I was the, heat, the Warriors, like, that's who I would want to play. Well, yeah, because you you don't have to like send all these different wings and lineups to guard like more than one guy. Like you you need to guard Jimmy Butler to an extent, but it's like you don't even really need to guard him. And like you would not put as much pressure on him as you would put on a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. And then also like Bam is a good big, but he's nowhere near as offensively skilled as Al Horford. So I mean, Bam's all right, but he's not like a guy you give it to on the block or the high post, and you say go to work like every time down. He's not that type of guy. He he, his upside is on his his skill is on the defensive end. Um, but but Al Horford is just so versatile, and he can stretch the floor. He's shooting like fifty percent from three. Like he's so smart, <laughs> he just makes the right play every time. Um, it, it's annoyingly good. Like without being like a star level player, like he's really like. A super role player. Like, it, it's crazy. Um, and then, like you say, Tatum, elite scorer, elite, you know, wing player. Jalen Brown, all-star level guard, uh, you know, wing player. Like, that. that's that's hard to deal with. I think that would be really hard for the Warriors to deal with, um, in addition to Al Horford and Robert Williams. So, yeah, I, I would go Celtics and seven in that scenario. And, damn, man, the, the Celtics lifting a banner would just, ah, uh, like... Ah, man, this will be a, just a bad season for the Wizards as a Wizards fan. <laughs> Lottery is tomorrow. We have the 10th best odds, I think, at the number one pick or whatever. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think we're going to get up there, but I'm hoping this is like the the reverse jinx or I can get them to go top four. But um. You know, obviously, I think that's what we're really pulling for at this point with the with the holes that we've had at point guard. We dedicated an entire episode talking about uh, our point guard position. Um, we've spent countless minutes, hours on Twitter looking over stuff and um, discussing the point guard position. If we were able to go top four and get Jaden Ivey, it would seem that that would be solved. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's. That's what we kind of got to hope for at this point, because if it gets to free agency, like there, there isn't one right way to go about this because we discussed on the last point guard episode that we had the, any of the trade options that are out there that are realistic are not really that attractive to us. And then free agency is not a given because there are some guys you're probably going to have to overpay for. And I'm tired of overpaying for guys. And then the, the realist, like, or not the realistic, the 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 good players like the the Shea Gilgis, Dejounte Murray, those guys aren't going to be realistic for us. So it's it's tough. But if you get top four, you get Jaden Ivey. It solves a lot of problems. And I know that Tommy Shepard said he didn't envision a rookie starting. 
um, at point guard, but at the same time, you can't operate under the assumption that you're going to move top four. But I think that this would be the best case scenario, obviously, is to, to be top four, but then to get Jaden Ivey as well. Now, obviously, if someone falls, uh, maybe a different discussion. Like if someone takes Ivy earlier, then obviously we have no choice. I mean, would we entertain trading up for Ivy? But either way, tomorrow night I'm hoping is a very fun night for Wizards fans, and it gives us something to cheer about because we really haven't had a whole lot to cheer about lately. Totally agree, man. They they need an infusion of talent. Um, they just they just. I really don't care if it's if it's Ivy or if it's you know it could be Mather. I I don't. They need they need a guy that I can look at and say, yeah, they don't have that on the roster. Like they they need a guy that with that skill set, that type of athleticism. They don't have it on the roster um, or talent level. Um, I don't want it to be another, you know, carbon copy of something they've already drafted over the last four drafts. Um, so I'm just hoping for that. Whatever that looks like, whether it be a top four pick or they stay at 10, I don't know. Um, but I'm just I'm just hoping for that. But the lottery balls being in their favor would, would definitely help. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies were supposed to draft eighth the year that they got John Morant, and they jumped up six spots to number two. So hopefully we can get some type of luck like that uh, and get into that top four. The Hornets, too. You know, that's maybe one of the most infamous ones in Wizards Twitter is, you know, they we were supposed to be picking where the Hornets were, and the Hornets ended up moving to, uh, to go get LaMelo. So, you know, I mean, it happens, especially now more than ever with the way they changed the the odds with the lottery balls. So. You know, I mean, why not us? But it's probably not going to happen. If anything, we'll probably move back a pick or two. And if that happens, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> oh, <gee. sighs> don't put that in the air, man. Don't put that in the air. Don't even do that. It's okay. This is a reverse jinx. This is my attempt. <laughs> um, I, I had I, I was thinking about something. You know, watching these playoffs on on this kind of point guard uh, debate here, and I'm just like. Somebody had mentioned, I forgot who it was. I want to shout them out, but I can't remember who was saying it. But, you know, they were just kind of like, you know, the tra- you look at these teams that are left now in the playoffs, the, the last four, and none of them have a traditional point guard. So, like, is that an outdated uh, uh, style of play that we or we as a fan base or Tommy Shepard is chasing? You know, the Rajon Rondos, the, the Chris Pauls, uh you know, is is that something we should really be chasing, or which should we be kind of looking more outside the box and just elevating the ball handling, scoring talent, um, either via the draft or free agency, and not so much uh, 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 boxing guys into a, a specific point guard position. That was um, Real Mr. Perfect, I think, is the one that you were talking about that with. Yeah. Shout out to Real Mr. Perfect because he had mentioned that and it had me thinking. So, you know, I, I just wanted to, to drop it on the pod. You know, what is is that a possibility? Because I, I see the Miami Heat and they're playing, they're finishing games with Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler being the primary ball handlers. You know, Tyler Hero as well. Like they're basically just running three guards. 
out there. Neither one of them you would classify as a point guard, but they all have a, you know some gravity to them, running the pick and roll, being a scorer, being aggressive, and they get buckets. They get offense out of it. Is that an option for the Wizards? Um, and what does that look like? Who's the player that fits that? Well, I, I think the I, point guard to me again is more of like a, more of a concept and like a, a position, but also the the context of your personnel is important when having the discussion. So, a lot of people like I would like more of a traditional point guard, maybe for us, just because Brad has turnover issues in the clutch, and I think with having KP now, who obviously we've seen can produce at a high level. I think that you need someone and Kuzma also needs the ball. We don't want guys to get too frustrated where everyone is not getting their touches. So when you look at our point guard position, well, if you look at our starting five, KCP is not going to bother anyone. He's mostly just going to be three and D probably next year. He'll give you the occasional off bounce game, but we we need someone from the point guard position who's going to be given guys the rock and fits more of that traditional play style in the context of the players that we have. I mean, look at Miami starting five. Like, Miami has Jimmy Butler, but then mostly everyone else in their starting five outside of Bam, outside of Bam is mostly just catch and shoot. They don't have a lot of guys that can give you game off the bounce. Like, they have Lowry, and they have, like, Tyler Hero. Well, Duncan Robinson isn't even playing. Uh, you know, Max Struess. Those are all guys that can spot up from three they they're not necessarily creators like Oladipo is like you said you just mentioned like Oladipo and Jimmy Butler are the ones being that point of attack they're the ones initiating the offense because everyone else is kind of just catch and shoot like we have guys that are more than just catch and shoot so in the context of our players compared to theirs I think it makes more sense for us to have that type of guy than it would be like for the Miami Heat for example I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, I just, I just wonder because I'm like, you know, is there is there an out of out of out of the box move available? Like, is is an Eric Gordon move like where you add Eric Gordon and like you you down the stretch of games you have Eric Gordon, Beal, KCP closing, or or say this draft, say we stay at ten in the draft and you got the opportunity to draft like a Malachi. Brandon, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. You got an opportunity to draft a guy like him or Johnny Davis, you know, a shooting guard that you know can score. You're not looking at them as points, point guards, but they're guys that you know have gravity of scores. And so you draft them with the idea that, hey, you might start off the bench, but you could be a guy that closes games for us next to Bradley Beal, and we're not running a traditional. You know, give it to the point guard every time there's a rebound. Give it to the point guard after every timeout. You know, traditional offense. Well, there's a reason the Timberwolves are so good in the clutch this year. They got two guys in the backcourt who can go and score three if you want to add Malik Beasley in that. That's another team. Like, that's another team. They were closing games with, you know, uh, D'Lo, Beasley, Ant-Man. <laughs> you know? Um, Pat Bev would be in there here and there, you know, for defensive purposes, but uh, when they needed a bucket, that was that was the three-guard lineup. 
and and I'm I'm seeing that more, and it's not really like a traditional point guard, like the Rajon Rondo, Chris Paul stuff. Like that's that's kind of extinct now. It's almost kind of like talking about you know a a a, a post up big man. <laughs> um, right. So I, I just want, especially if if from what I've seen, West run with KP kind of like a, a choke kick light type offense where you're running things out of the high post um, where it's, it's dribble handoffs, it's feed the inside big first out of the high post and run stuff off of that to shooters, cutters, back doors, things like that. Do you really need a traditional point guard if that's the offense you're going to be running? There's instances of each system and each style of basketball working and not working. I mean, if, if the the most recent example of that play style not working is the Trailblazers, where they, they tried for years and years to compete and never ended up working. The Wizards tried years and years to compete. They they never were able to get taken seriously. Um, the, the Chris Paul team with the traditional point guard went to the finals last year. I mean, there's different instances where certain play styles are going to work and then it's not going to work in other areas. I think at the end of the day, it's just going to matter about uh, it's, it's going to matter more with what, with the guys that you have in your roles. Can they do them at a higher level than other guys? So even though the style, like you would say that maybe the style isn't working for this team, well, maybe the style would work if some of their players would be a little bit better at excelling in their roles. It's not necessarily the theory. It's just the, the talent that you have. Yeah, there's, there's also the other side of it. Maybe could could Bradley Beal just be better at the turnovers? Like, I mean, I th- could he could this year kind of the growing pains with him being a primary distributor? Did he learn from that? Did he get better from that? Because I know there was a stretch of time where he was at about eight assists a game, three versus only three turnovers. Is that something to build on? The the, the point, Bill. I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just looking at the landscape of the league. You know, it's a copycat league. And I hear Tommy talk about we need a traditional point guard that passes first. And I'm sitting there looking at these teams sitting in the conference finals and they don't have that type of player on their team. Like <laughs> they they kind of doing instead of having one guy that averages, you know, 10, 12 assists and it's kind of like uh uh Curly Neal on the court dribbling around, you know, all over the place. You got you got three, two, three guys that can all get about five assists. And, you know, they just they they pass off of their ability to, to attack and try to score. Um, so I don't know. Last topic for the day, we'll save the the, the where we try and get a trade partner for Beal. Maybe we'll try that another day. Um Spend a lot of time talking on the on these other topics, and that's good. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll only do one more topic for today. We'll just talk about the the James Harden Bradley Beal proposal that Bill Simmons has mentioned. Now, Bill Simmons just I'm sure everyone kind of knows he just doesn't like the Wizards. So I think any situation in his head where he can make them worse or make them more of a laughing stock, or because he talks about the deal like it would make us better, maybe or something. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it just makes him feel better to constantly talk about the Wizards and put them down for 
whatever reason. But anyway, I, I don't remember what exactly he said in that clip, and I don't know if you listened to it. But essentially, he was just saying, you know, well, if Beal wanted to go to the Sixers, why don't they just swap Beal and Harden? So I wanted to get your thoughts on how you think that would go. Do you think Tommy would consider it? I mean, I'm sure Philly would. Um, but I don't know if Tommy would and if it happened. Does Tommy even have a job here anymore? So I don't know how all of that would get orchestrated. Quite frankly, I think from our side of things, it'd be pretty embarrassing. Um, and it's not to say that they're not the same tier of player, because I think that they are. But when you factor in age, um, contract, play style, things of that nature, I think that Beal is clearly the, the one who has more value and would be the one to keep. Um, I don't see how it makes any sense for us, but but maybe somewhere, somehow it does. I know that there was someone on the timeline, I think it was Ray, who put on the, the timeline, you know, he's a better distributor and, be, and would be better as a point guard. And I agree with that, but my question is, well, who the hell are you distributing to? So that that's, that's my problem with that. Denny for three. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Bill Simmons is a troll. Like, honestly, like I, I has he ever predicted any trade, anything? Like, has he? Like, I just like I don't even know if he was serious with this. Like, I feel like this was like a Boston Celtics fan just trolling, um, trolling the Wizards. Uh, I mean, if I if I was the, if I didn't want if I thought trading Ben Simmons for Harden was a bad deal. I'm damn sure not going to think trading Bradley Beal for Harden is going to be a good deal. Like, I, I just know. There's no way. There's no way. Unless unless they throwing Maxie in. Do we get Maxie in, in Harden for Beal? Like, cool. I'll do it. Um, it it's not. It's a non-starter for me unless Maxie is in, is in the conversation. Um, again, Harden is a depreciating asset. I think he's trending towards Russell Westbrook. Uh, level of impact where it's a bunch of stats, but it ain't. It's not going to accumulate in any type of wins production because he's just he's going to age poorly. Um, I think I mentioned care. that earlier in the year. Like him and Westbrook yeah. are very very similar. Yeah, he doesn't take care of his body in the off season. Um, and yeah, I just think his style of play. And, it, and even if you did it right, say they actually did it. Um, somehow Maury sweetened the deal, threw a pick in or something for us to make that deal. You get James Harden. If KP didn't work with Luka in that style, why would it work with Harden, who's a worse player and older? Um, like, I feel like if you're going to do that, if you're going to get James Harden on your team, you have to change the whole makeup of your team. Like, KP would then need to be on the trade block. You would then need to basically try to revamp the entire roster to bring in more KCP-like, Kispert-like players where you're, you're you know, it's James Harden kind of running the show and his ability to run pick and roll and kick out the shooters. Um, you're not, KP doesn't fit that. Um, you know, the roster as it is now, there's not really a lot of high, uh, high volume, three-point, accurate three-point shooters on the roster. You would need to change that. I was bringing James Harden here is pointless, uh, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't even think that's on the table. It would be a bad trade for the Wizards, um, and I don't. I don't see any scenario where that where that happens where James Harden is in DC. 
Right. I mean, if Tommy does that, I mean, you may as well just let someone else orchestrate that trade. Like if it was going to happen, you may as well just pack your bags and let the assistant GM or something take over for the rest of the deal. And, you know, you get whatever you get out of it and then hire someone in the offseason because that would just be ridiculous. I mean, to to talk all this talk about keeping Beal. And then if you want to trade him, that's fine. Like there are I'm an advocate of if you can find a good deal for him, then do it. In fact, I, I, I would probably prefer that. But. Number one, the reality is they're not going to. Number two, even if they were going to, if there were all these players around the league that you could have gotten and you chose to get hardened James at this point in his career, it, it would be a very, very bad deal. Even if you were to get a draft pick along with that, what is that draft pick going to be, like 26, 27? Like, no, no one – what are we going to do with that? We can't even draft top eight, top nine. Next week, we will recap the draft lottery, where hopefully we are talking about the Wizards having a top four pick, maybe even number one. Who knows? That's the fun. But here's hoping. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next Semester to semester, breathing with the freshers. Twenty light bulbs around my table and my dresser. CLC compressor, just in case that don't impress her. Say hello to Dexter, say hello to Uncle Fester. Got them gazing at my necklace and my crazy sun protectors. G shots, I got a crazy dumb collection. Haters, I can't fucking hear your perception. Yeah, we bring the stars out.